RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. As you know, if you've been listening to Reality Check Radio, we're quite interested in energy, given that the government plans to transition to 100% renewable energy. We all know about that. So we've talked about coal, we've talked about biogas, we've talked about a lot of forms of energy, <clears throat> excuse me, of energy, of course, windmills and solar as well. Time to talk about geothermal with Kenny Hsu, who is the chief executive of the Geothermal Association of New Zealand. Kenny, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for coming on. Bonana Paul, thank you so much for the invitation. Okay, geothermal. Um, in the interviews that we've done with people, making comments and their opinions on the generation of power, it seems that quite a few people think geothermal is the way to go. So tell us, why is geothermal something that um, you know we can put into the mix? And you can tell us how, how big it should be in the mix as we sort of try and transition to that 100% renewable energy goal. And not everyone agrees with that, by the way, that the government has set. So tell us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. So geothermal has been utilized by a number of decades, firstly, by our Iwi Maori leaders as our Tonga. So uh, heat beneath our feet for those who might be less familiar with the topic. So it has been um, hugely applied in a number of areas in Aotearoa of notably locations, uh, Topo, Rotorua, um, Fakatane, and also some part of the South Island. So the question that you raised, which is very interesting in terms of the renewable energy candidate that will travel to meet our 100% renewable electricity target. So I would like to point out um, three points in this interview and share that with your listeners. So first of all, geothermal resource is always on. So we are talking about here is the reliability. So compared to other renewable sources, geothermal resource is 98% renewable so and also reliable. So that means it's always on. And other renewable resources is about 30%. So on average, if the plant's capacity is 1,000 units, geothermal plant will supply 970 units compared to wind and solar, that they can only supply 300 units at any given time. So if you look at the question and then looking at the problem again, so if you want to build a plant of 1,000 units of electricity from wind and solar, you need to build 3,000 units of a plant that will supply that requirement. So that is the first point. The second point, I think um, some of your listeners might not be as familiar with others as well. So geothermal resource is not just renewable electricity, but it's also direct heat use. And we have seen many, many applications in New Zealand. So some of the examples, Miraka, so the milk processing facility at Mokai, that is 100% supplied by geothermal resource as the electricity. Our tenant, timber drying mill at Tohara, 
And of course, some of you might also been to is the Hoka Prawn Park at Warake as the aquacultural tourism. Acety, tissues and toilet paper manufacturing at Karua. And of course, some of the spa pools in Rotorua. So these direct heat juice projects not only provide renewable electricity and energy to the customers, but it also increased the economic development of the regions by creating more jobs and upskilling our labor market. And thirdly, and this is very notable in the global trend, is the downstream minerals recovery. So Geo 40 commissioned New Zealand's first commercial scale silica recovery of 5,000 tons of silica recovered from geothermal fluids before the fluids return back to the reservoir. And of course, silica can be used in many, many, many industrial applications. So this also gives the opportunity for us, not just by generating renewable electricity and energy, but also another revenue stream that enhance the business. So that is probably a good summary that um, answers some of your questions. I, I'm taking it that um, the geothermal resource in terms of the heating of the earth, that's what it is basically, isn't it, uh, over some of those um, volcanic areas of activity, and we know them well. What sort of scale of energy can they ultimately generate? I mean, how much of New Zealand's energy in the end could be generated in this way? And obviously there'd have to be a huge investment in that, but what percentage of energy our energy needs could be delivered by geothermal. Mm. Thank you, Paul, for the question. So with a number of new geothermal development projects announced, and um, notably very recently is the Eastland Generation Plant. Um, so the geothermal industry is anticipating of more than 450 megawatts of consented projects in the next few years. So those are consented. So of the significant projects, as some of you might know, is the commissioning of the Tohara Geothermal Plant by Contact Energy. Once this is on stream, that will provide 174 megawatts to the national grid. Do you know what? Tohara Plant is the largest single triple flash condensing steam turbine in the world. Wow. So we okay. are building it here in Aotearoa. Okay. Looking ahead. There is also a possibility of drilling deeper and hotter underground where we can extract supercritical geothermal fluids. GNS Science and international collaborators are investigating this around the globe. And the earlier research that they have concluded that by drilling down to over four kilometers, the energy intensity is 10 times more than the conventional heat that we are extracting from any geothermal reservoir at the moment. So we also have multiple projects in the direct heat juice applications already announced, and there are more coming up. So therefore, we can see a number of partnership between government, our UE Maori leaders, and private sectors to work together to harness the opportunity going forward. Okay, so the... Um... The generation that you mentioned there, the megawatts, I think um, you mentioned, 
Um, just give our audience an idea of what those figures mean. I mean, how much do we use? We hear those okay. figures, but so, still... Yeah. So there are a number of reports that's released by government agencies and also <laughs> public consultants. So to achieve the 2050 net zero target, Aotearoa New Zealand is required to build about 500 megawatts of new renewable energy projects every year between now and 2050. So in the next 27 years, we need to build 500 megawatts on an annual basis. So what the figures you gave just before, I think are just shy of 600, if my math mm -hmm. is correct. So that's only one year's worth mm. of yes. growth. Yes. So yes, of growth. So this is consented. So that means yeah. that it's already um, uh, uh, got the green lights to go. And then there are a number of uh, private companies um, within uh, the different regions in the uh, country are also exploring the opportunity of drilling new wells or utilizing existing wells and also drilling deeper, um, possibly. So we haven't been able to um, conclude a figure that, pro that will supply that, or well, we will be able to provide uh, this between now and 2050. So currently, um, or 600 is confirmed. Okay, so is the industry, uh, I suppose, you know, the whole um, human-induced climate change um, thesis or whatever you want to call it, because not everyone is on board with that, we've got to say that, um, would welcome geothermal uh, power. But um, is the industry, are you all in with this, the, the um, science so-called on climate change? And do you support, because not everybody does, these government plans to transition to 100% renewable energy, given that they've signed up with BlackRock, one of the world's, well, one of the, the three funds that owns everything in the world, basically, and I think you can actually say that accurately, and that people have reservations about has the Geothermal Association gone all in on this, or do you have reservations? Hmm. I think this is um, um this is a very um important discussions that which we will probably not just having once, but also multiple um times and coming back to revisit and it's also not just this generation so Paul just remember that there will be the future and the unborn generations that we all need to be careful so um, so the position that the Geothermal Association uh, consider is that we would like we, we contribute to part of the decarbonization program and we think that it is important for geothermal resource to play an important role in the decarbonization journey. And also there is also the spillover benefit, not just by decreasing our reliability on fossil fuel, but also the regional economic development, the jobs, and also the, the uh, revenue stream that brings to the company as well. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to clean up messes they don't like the environment being polluted especially if it's not necessary but of course also there's the um, hit on living standards and standard of living that, that people aren't willing to take either when you talked about that super deep drilling mm. 
I believe the deepest anyone's ever drilled is 12 kilometers. That was somewhere in Russia. Next to us, 10. Okay, you're not quite there, but that's a deep drill. Mm. That really is. How feasible is that? Because I take it the further you go, the more energy, as you mentioned, is available. The more geothermal can be part, uh, a, a more of a major player in the delivery of this energy into the future. Mm. So there are other countries who are also uh, pursuing this journey. So um, GNS Science is working with um, a number of international collaborators, but also there are other international research institutes who are also doing very similar work. So for example, in Iceland, for example, in Japan, for example, in China, they have very similar geothermal characteristics as us. So we are very fortunate to learn um, together into this um, supercritical geothermal resource. And we believe that it will be uh, uh, requiring uh, global effort, but also probably the second half of this decade, so between 2026 to 2030, we will see a lot more uh, fruitful results coming from the research. This is very close now. It's very close. Yeah. So, and yeah, very exciting that we, yeah, we would hopefully that we can come back to the program and share with you some of the good news. And that would be drilling into the existing fields, but going deeper. Is that is that what that's all about? That is one possibility. Yeah. Mm, yes, or are there other fields that are only accessible with a deeper drill? Yes. The other um the other possibility is new drills. So we identify um new locations where it um demonstrates the potential of um supercritical characteristics, or the other one is um abandoned um uh, geothermal wells, which we have done that by government in between nineteen fifties to nineteen eighties. Okay, so I know the government's making money available. The um, development you mentioned in, I think, was it Fakatani, Eastland mm. Energy? Um, they've had $25 million come in from the government there. So obviously the government's willing to stump up money, even though times are tight. You mentioned Mari in there as well. Mm. So what sort of role are they having in this, given that I would imagine that geothermal <laughs> resource heat in the ground kind of belongs to everyone? Mm. So that is a very, um, very, very important point, um, Paul. I think the the Maori and the Iwi played a critical role, very critical role as the landowner, but also our guardians. So um, a number of projects, past and present, they play a very important role. As I said that um, many decades ago, you know, they have successfully harnessed the resource for their activities. And we see that um, still in the Rotorua Fakanelelele um, village, the living Maori village, where um, we see a number of activities that they use it for. And some of them are very special to them. In terms of um, development projects, they are also part of the whole geothermal industry. So, for example, Turupaki Trust, that is um, a very large player in the geothermal industry. So not just the Miraka uh, milk processing plant, they also use uh, geothermal resource for their greenhouses and also um, to produce green hydrogen, 
with their um, Japanese counterpart. So you see that they are diversifying their investment portfolio, looking at a number of um, renewable energy streams where they can not just only increase their revenue, but also in a long-term intergenerational uh, forecast where they see how they utilize and protect the geothermal resource. Okay, and it seems to me that um, from what you're saying, um, and my limited knowledge that uh, wind and solar really doesn't stand a chance against something like geothermal. <laughs> Why even bother? Why even bother? So, so, so there is no single silver bullet to solve. No, but some things basis. make more sense than others. So, and, and and like you say, geothermal's always on; it never switches off. It's always available, so it's uh, reliable. Also, okay. I'm I'm picking that the the production effort into the equipment and the technology surrounding it is more contained than endless windmills mm. um, and so on and so forth. So it sounds to be like that, um, like I wouldn't bother if I if it was up against you guys trying to make windmills and put wind farms. So, so Aotearoa New Zealand is blessed. We are blessed with renewable energy. So compared to other countries, okay. And so just a point of note, we are blessed. So we're blessed with geothermal, we're blessed with wind, blessed with solar, and blessed with hydrogen, uh, hi, um, hydro. So um, of all these candidates, that means that we can have a much wider um, portfolio when we consider our renewable electricity um, and meeting our 100% renewable target as announced um, by our uh, government. So that means that there are pockets of excellence in terms of locations where wind might play a more critical role and then whereas compared in others, so hydro are more in the South Island and then um, also wind and then compared to geothermal, more in the central North Island. So we all play a role here. And I know that, you know, from a very biased perspective, everyone falls in love with geothermal. I don't know whether you have been to one um, you know, that that you, in your recent um, visit, but Everyone loves it. I've driven past the Wairaki um, many times mm. um, in Topo, and you know the steam, the steam going over the road is such mm -hmm. a such a gentle thing. Mm. So <laughs> I, yeah. I know about that, but I actually haven't you know been. That. In, we are also um, so there are the steam coming up, and people might see that that is um, um, that is emissions. So um, so there um, so the association is leading a industry collaborative projects called zero CO2 geothermal plant. So of those 18 geothermal plants across the country, three have been successfully reduced our emissions to atmosphere already. So um, Ngafa, um, uh, in Upper North Island, Natamaliki and Tehuka. So these three plants have successfully over the last two years put the CO2 instead of going up to the atmosphere, then we capture that and put it back to the reservoir. Okay. All right. Are you happy? I mentioned the um, investment for Eastland. Are you happy as um, an industry? Um, as an association with the level of investment that I guess um, government is making, um, but uh, generally in the sector, is there 
enough money to do mm. the the work and to grow um, geothermal? Is there enough money to do that? I think thank you for the very important question here. So maybe just to go back to some of the earlier work that the government has done. So the last government funded drilling project was in 1980s. So all the that's ages ago. Ages ago. <laughs> like people have um, sure grown up and had families in that time. <laughs> yeah. So so since then. All the um, government-funded programs have uh, finished, and that means there were no new money funded from the government to explore or investigate where the new geothermal resources are. So when I answer your question and reflect on the Eastland um, Green Investment Fund that they have successfully secured, I believe... So there is an important role that public fund plays here in terms of the early investigation and exploration of where the resources are. Well, considering they spent five hundred million on uh, rat tests for COVID, it would have gone a long way to drilling some four four kilometer deep holes to um, to tap to the superheated uh, geothermal. Okay, Kenny, it's been really interesting finding out about this. Thank you for giving us some time and explaining it clearly. And uh, let's see, um, let's see how geothermal grows in the what? What sort of time span are we talking? If if this really needs to be a, a major contributor in that time, mm-hmm. what sort of how long is it before you need to hit some sort of real scale? Is it in the next ten years, fifteen years, mm-hmm. twenty years? Yeah. What are you thinking? So to to really hit the scale. The current um, resource management time frame would be sitting between five to seven years. So once you start an idea of a project and before you turn on the power button, that takes about five to seven years. So that means that we, if we want to achieve our 2050 net carbon zero target, we have to start now. So that means the next 10 years will be critical. That would be our golden window of opportunity to go for that. Kenny Hsu, Chief Executive of the Geothermal Association of New Zealand. Thanks for coming on Reality Check Radio. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.